This is Ann Janzer, author of Subscription Marketing, Strategies for Nurturing Customers in a World of Churn. And you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. And Janser, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? I am fine. Thanks, Douglas, for letting me join you for cocktail hour tonight. <laughs> well, it's a service I provide to uh, all past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, and uh, I would encourage all listeners to uh, you know join us too. So you, if I'm not mistaken, you're in San Luis Obispo. I am. I am. Yeah. Now you've only you've been there less than a year, right? Well, like a year and a quarter or something. We we moved down to January of last year. So okay, yeah. So you were in Mountain View, uh, and then you moved, and uh, then all hell broke loose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, no one here is blaming me. I don't think so. But well, yeah, no, there- I did. Uh, this is a nice place, though. I have to tell you, Douglas, to be in this sort of shelter and home because. I can just walk out my door and there's beautiful walks and beautiful vistas everywhere, which I do enjoy very much when, when we're all sheltering at home. Yeah, It's as if you planned it, Ann Janser. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, listeners, longtime listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast will know that there's this running, very tired joke that I won't let go of about how there have been more authors with Stanford degrees on the Marketing Book Podcast than any other school by far. And I like to joke that, uh, you know, by by podcast law, if uh, there is a author who has a Stanford degree, I am required to interview them. And that's always been a joke. But just today, you probably haven't seen it, but your governor, Gavin Newsom, he just signed it into law. The Marketing yeah. Book Podcast must interview any author of a marketing or sales book uh, on that podcast. So We have a very progressive governor, so that's good. <laughs> well, you all clearly have a lot of sway in the uh, in Sacramento, right. the state capital. So. That's right. So you are the author of Subscription Marketing, which you mentioned uh, when you introduced. And how that's in, is it second edition now? Third. Third, I just oh. did the third this past winter. Um, I think I managed to do it five years to the date. It released five years to the date from the first book. And last time I checked, it's it's in more than just English, right? Yes, it's in uh, Korean and Japanese. And the Japanese version in particular has done very well. Uh, the Japanese market was, and I also had a really great publisher in Japan, a, a very business-focused publisher who knew how to present the message. And uh, it did very, very well there. 
Well, and this is pretty much the only podcast they listen to in Japan, so I was able to throw some, yeah. uh, you know, influence your way. Kidding, of kidding. Of course. <laughs> I do have a, a, some listeners in Japan, though, I'm really proud to say. And uh, so I first learned about Ann Janser when I read a blog post she did on Marketo's blog, and it was all about subscription marketing, and she was the uh, author of it. And then, so I, I reached out to, to Ann Janser, and... Uh, you know, she blew me off a few times. I, I emailed her like two or three times and tried to connect with her on LinkedIn. And, you know, Ann Janser, I deal with rejection all the time. And finally, Ann came back and said, all right, I'll do this podcast with you. And uh, so the the episode was extremely popular. <laughs> and matter of fact, I showed you the analytics like even six months later, it was one of the best performing, one of the most downloaded episodes. Yeah, I would say that was my brilliance, but I really think it was the topic area, yes. <laughs> which was kind of blowing up at the time. Yeah, so remind folks what subscription marketing is. And I think I saw that Robbie Calman Baxter wrote the foreword to your latest edition. Is that right? She did. I had Robbie write the foreword because we are very much um, aligned in our uh, beliefs and philosophies, um, although she writes about a different angle on this. Right. So, uh, so, but you did so, both go to get degrees at Stanford, so, <laughs> but I repeat myself. But her book is The Subscription Economy. Excuse me, the membership economy. Yes, and <laughs> it's the booze drink. It's the booze talking. The uh, membership yeah. economy, and then the more recent book is the forever transaction. And in case listeners don't have enough of Robbie Kellen Baxter, she's coming on to authors in quarantine getting cocktails. So excellent. You know, excellent. a lot of good, uh, a lot of good. But but remind folks what subscription uh, marketing is, and I am of the belief, or at least I've observed, that subscription marketing is teaching even non-subscription businesses about how to be better marketers. Yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, that that's, that's great. I mean, ultimately, it's about forging a long-term relationship with your customers, right? Uh, taking a long-term perspective, um, because that is what a subscription-based business must do. Um, and it's a really interesting, I want to get to this talking about how this is relevant to what we're living in today. Oh, please. Too, yeah. Right. Because I, I think, I think there's something that. really relevant there. So uh, when I first published a book in 2015, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah, you, you know, this doesn't apply and we don't sell newspapers, you know, we're selling software. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the kind of. Those businesses uh, are now out of, out of business uh, who said that yeah, to you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, our customers would never be interested in subscriptions, but even then, you know, people who were you know, selling software from the cloud didn't see it. Uh, the The word subscription just threw them. So um, maybe it wasn't a great title, but I, I stand by it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it has to inform this this ongoing relationship with your customers has to inform the way that you do marketing. And once you start, you know, once you want revenues that are sort of ongoing, uh, then you have to market differently than you do as if you're just chasing a one-time transactional sale. That's, mm -hmm. it, it seems... You know, sometimes I just felt like I was stating the obvious again and again. Um, and yet, you know, the obvious is is sometimes not always uh, – it, 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 sometimes it's at odds with business as usual. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's interesting. When I was talking to Robbie recently about her most recent book, she was saying that between when she wrote the membership economy and the forever transaction, more companies were understanding the concept of – 
subscriptions or, or memberships uh, more than in 2015. Yeah. Um, but it's my sense that both of you, for as long as you're working and interested in writing these books, you're always going to be explaining these basics. I'm sorry to break it to you. <laughs> Dang, I kept hoping that, you know, we. I, I mean, I actually cut down in the third edition on some of the, you know, this is a thing, people, chapters. <laughs> right. I thought, I just, I can't keep doing this. You, you know, you picked up the book, you must believe it's a thing. Um, and instead, I, I looked at, you know, added chapters that talk about how this applies to large businesses. How does this apply to the solopreneur or the the small business that's not planning on growing? You know, the company of one kind of thing. How does this apply to a rapidly growing startup? I mean, because I think that there are different ways to approach this. Um, and I sliced and diced it that way. Um, but yeah, we, we have, I've talked a lot with Robbie about this. I was a, a watching her book develop her latest one as it as it came into being um and she's shared with me the story I, I have an interview with her on my blog post about the story of her this latest book and how it came about which is very interesting um and now it's less about why do i do this and more about how do i do this that's been the transition for her and that's certainly the transition that um i've been getting i no longer have to evangelize quite so much and people are asking much more pointed questions about well how do i really market how do i strange change my marketing strategies what you know what what are the implications how can i build these relationships that these great subscription based companies have with their customers how can i get that with my my own customers mhm and what, just for folks that think that this still might not apply to them, what is an example of a company that is selling a subscription that surprises people? I mean, we understand software as a service and, you know, sure. things like that. But Sure. And then there's the wacky things. There's a subscription underwear, you know, uh, <laughs> David Mirvin Scott wrote about it in his latest book, Fanocracy. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Right. The subscription underwear. That's one that, that you know, raises eyebrows. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, there's um, subscription, essentially subscriptions to industrial chemicals and in that you pay for the process and not the chemicals. You're not buying the chemicals, you're buying a process over an ongoing period of time. Mm -hmm. um, and the chemical provider figures out what chemicals are best suited to do that and, and takes care of everything from provision to, to the whole life cycle to clean up. So that's another way to look at a subscription that is, um, you know, it's just embedded in so many industries. And, and I, it's really hard actually to find an industry that isn't somewhere tinkering along the edges, if not in the main part with the subscription relationship, because that, that, that long-term relationship with the customer is such a powerful thing. Everybody wants that. Well, and what's interesting to me is that when a company does uh, stick a toe in or start to become at least part of their business more subscription-based, they're then forced to focus on the real thing their customer is buying. <laughs> it's not usually yeah. that product. It's the solution to a problem. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's a solution to a problem. It's an experience. It is, a, you know, it, it's something much, it means you have to be empathetic with your customers. So bringing this back to the situation today, you know, you have all of these, these companies that are being disrupted in their core business, right? Because uh, either their storefronts are closed or whatever. Um, so what do you do? You know, if you can't go out and build, it's hard to go out and, you know, Buy, sell more stuff right now mm -hmm. to uh, today's um, 
customers. So what if instead you spend this time investing in those relationships? What if you say, I have this time, I can't be selling, but I'm going to strengthen those customer relationships. This is now the focus of my marketing program. Because I know long-term, those companies that have the strongest relationships, the most loyal relationships with their customers are the ones that will be resilient. They are less fragile to this kind of situation. Um, And so you see that around you. If you look around at the businesses, look at your local businesses, what they're doing. Um, You know, the little local theater company here is putting on a few times a week web show called The Intermission Show, and they do video interviews of actors who have been in their previous productions, so we all recognize them. They're just strengthening relationships. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just really fun to watch some of these creative businesses look at ways to take this time. Um, and if they can't be selling, they are building a future through uh, stronger connections, creating community with their, uh, with their audience or being generous and giving away content. I mean, Metropolitan Opera giving away its uh, opera web broadcasts that it usually sells through the theaters, things All like right. that. We've been watching those. Um, we, we had to download the app on Roku, but it was like one one a day, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's more opera than most of us can can <laughs> take. <laughs> How many hours? <laughs> right, right. But it's really cool, and it's a really it's a generous kind of thing that they do that is actually creating more loyalty for existing fans, potentially creating new fans. It's you know it's investing in relationships, and you've got to think that's going to pay off for them in the long term. Mm-hmm. So, for marketers out there or any business people, what what do you think is what do you think in their attitudes and thoughts are are going to change? What what do you think folks should be doing, and what what are you thinking these days? Right now, in this uh, pandemic time, or just yeah. all the time? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, um, I'm, I'm I'm most interested in. Or I'm fascinated, rather, by how thoughts are going to change. In other words, people aren't really going to change. Um, yeah. Maybe certain certain uh, practices uh, in, in life are, are going to change. But I, so I'm, I'm, they're already there. So I know it'd be like somebody saying 25 years from now, oh, the great pandemic of 2020 really uh, put Zoom on the map. Well, actually, no, they were doing pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> this was just yeah. an accelerant, and I'm interested in what things do you think are going to get speeded up and or sped up? Excuse me, I'm speaking to a Stanford English major, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and and I guess by doing so, it makes me start to wonder. Well, what could I be doing different, like with what I'm learning, or what 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 client businesses should be thinking about that they may not have been thinking about? Yeah, so a couple things. You know, one is. Um, in in a way, Douglas, and, and you met, you already referred to this about you know twenty years from now the stories we're going to tell. We are all as a, involved in a global storytelling experiment right now. I mean, you, me, everyone I talk to, we the first question is ask how are you doing, and you hear the story of what they're experiencing. Um, so we can make some decisions as individuals about how we craft that stories. Everyone's you know has different. Uh, plot situations. They may have health worries. They may have, you know, income insecurity, all kinds of issues. But we're all creating a story and we have to decide, are we um, simply a passive victim of the story? Are we a protagonist who's going to come out changed, right? We We are all in these stories. And similarly, every business that you're interacting with now is also 
living a story. And we as consumers are are crafting those narrators too. Like the other day I got a fundraising pitch in the mail that was obviously written three months ago had, you know, was completely uh, irrelevant to the current context. Mm -hmm. So that tells me a story about this company <laughs> that, or this this organization that was doing the fundraising that tells a story everything you do to your customers is telling a story are you trying to be generous are you trying to um you know get as much money as you can now because uh, you know you're worried about going under everything tells a story um and i think that as marketers we need to think really carefully about what's the story we're transmitting with the things that we say, the things that we do, the, the programs that we have, every transaction with a customer, with a prospect or a subscriber. Um, it's, it's a marketing moment, but it's also a, a human moment. And I think going forward, people are going to look differently at these businesses. We've seen behind the, uh, we've been looking in the news behind. It's like, how is this company treating its workers? How is this company treating its workers? Are people imperiled? What is this company doing to its customers? You know, we're looking for those stories, and we will remember those stories. Mm, so true. I think we're going to remember for a long time, and there are going to yeah. be some case studies that are happening right now that are uh, really uh, very generous and human focused, and uh, just just wonderful. And I and I'm I'm optimistic for the future of the marketing, and I think that so much of it has to do with the actions that companies are taking rather than what they're saying. Yes. There are a lot of companies that are, in fact, able to help or do something to help. I mean, uh, you know, like I just heard the other day, uh, Joey Coleman was telling the story about how Enterprise Rent-A-Car, you know, most Rent-A-Car companies only rent to 25-year-olds and up because of uh, insurance purposes and so forth. And they realized there were a lot of college students that needed to get home. So they said, hey, don't worry about it. Just go rent a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we'll get the car later. Things right. like that. You know, some of the airlines are, are, are extending the, you know, the, the tickets that we have. And uh, as I've mentioned several times on uh, this limited time uh, podcast series, uh, my son, an EMT, was, you know, he's here in uh, Norfolk and Virginia Beach, and we were worried about him catching the coronavirus, and we still are, yeah. um, but also concerned about him bringing it home to the family. And next thing we knew, this resort company at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront said, look, we're we're empty, <laughs> yeah. and we want to do something to help somebody. So if there's any coronavirus first responders out there, you you can stay here for as long as you need to. And yeah. so, uh, and the company's Diamond Resorts. <laughs> I want to make sure go. that everyone knows who they are. And I don't know where they're based and don't know much about them. And they have properties all over the, the place. But he's now at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront uh, with a suite, with a full kitchen and kind of quasi-quarantining. And there's a few other EMTs that are, that are doing that. And so... You know, it's just this unbelievable generosity, and they're they're getting hammered, and yet they thought, well, is there something we can do to help? Yeah. And yeah, you know, and I think they have one blog post on their website. <laughs> that's it. Right, right. That's you know, that's that actions you know really speak louder than words. Absolutely, the empty the empty words are going to make you look worse. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't leave with just words. That's a great story. And there's so many wonderful stories. I mean, the question is, you know, you brought up Zoom. They immediately, of course, offered the product for free for, to K through 12 educators. They've gotten some, you know, uh, issues on security and they've addressed them. I think they've shown themselves as being generous and uh, graceful under pressure. I think that's probably the best way to put how they've they've showed up in this. Um, you know, there maybe you'll show up as resilient. The little uh, there's distilleries near us that have changed their process to make hand sanitizers. You know, so mm -hmm. now you get hand sanitizers with a little distillery logo logo on the bottom, which is kind of fun. And um, you know, it's, it's, so they're they are setting something. We're going to be public. You know public spirited and resilient. We're going to be agile. We're going to just change to do what the community needs. Um, yeah. A lot of good stories. There's a distillery near me, thank God, and they are <laughs> selling uh, bourbon. You can just go up to the curb and get it. Man, I hope that service doesn't go away. I don't even have to get out of the car. Yeah. But I digress. And they also hand you a bottle of hand sanitizer that they've made. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, taking care of the local microbreweries single-handedly, yes. right? I'm, well, mention the, what you're drinking right there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm drinking uh, a brew from Oak and Otter, which is a small microbrewery in, in town, relatively new. I'm working my way through their whole, uh, everything they have. But again, they, they sell kind of curbside. You, you show up and um, I bring my little recyclable uh, pint thing and they'll fill it for me usually it's the brewmaster himself i think and you can chat about the beers at a safe distance um but you know because they don't have uh, the larger breweries you know have retail sales through stores and things and these little microbreweries don't they there are any sales they have might be at a local restaurant or pub and that's that those channels are both shut down mm -hmm. so i'm like well I'll, I'll just go and once a week go pick up uh some beer from one of these local microbreweries and help them keep things going during this time yeah and it's a really, small sacrifice <laughs> well yeah thank you for your service uh <laughs> and what i've done is driven around to the local uh breweries here and because i you know i'm trying to make it easier for them so i have a funnel attached to about three feet of a garden hose <laughs> and i've asked several of them if they could just pour it directly in so i think that's also known as a beer bong uh i think that's what the kids are calling it <laughs> Kids. And uh, I haven't had any luck there, but I think they're concerned about, uh, you know, safety and uh, a few other things. But I'll keep, you know, yeah. I'm doing what keep I can. Trying. I'm doing what I can. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 So, uh, and you have also written, you're like one of those people like um, Anne Handley, who to me is a, like the decathlete of writers, because you write about writing how yeah. to write. And I think that's, for me, that seems to be a rather terrifying or, or <laughs> uh, thing to do. And I was able to interview you about, uh, you've written, let me see here, and I'm going to make sure I get them all right, you know. Um, so you've also written uh, the writer's process and the workplace writer's process, and we have copies of those books at the office, but the one I interviewed you about was on the Marketing Book Podcast was writing to be understood, what works and why. And one of the things that many things in the book that warmed my heart is that great writing is very much about empathy. Yeah. 
it, who knew? You know, I mean, it, it's <laughs> well, <laughs> really thinking hard about who's supposed to be reading this. Yep, yep. That's that's if I mean, if you say that great writing is writing that lands in a reader's head, writing that makes an impact, that changes minds, or that instructs, or that inspires, then yes, it has to be grounded in empathy. Right. Um, that 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 Stanford English degree, nice though it is to have, <laughs> isn't really the key. The key is understanding your reader and maybe how their mind works and how you can um, get your message through to them. So that was a but the, one of the most interesting things for me uh, in that book was the, the research that they do about um, I cited the Alan Alda's uh, Institute for Scientific uh, communication at Stony Brook um, University, oh, yeah. where they do these these improv exercises with scientists and with physicians to help them understand how to better communicate with people in in terms that they understand. And it's it's fascinating that some uh, very focused and intentional improv exercises um, can have that kind of an effect on then your speaking and writing communication. It's just fascinating to me. Well, talk a little bit more about what. You're a nonfiction author, but you also work with writers uh, as a, I guess, a, a consultant. Um, you, not not so much. I mean, I mostly I work with I, I I I cheer on all kinds of writers, and I I share everything I'm learning about writing and and um and publishing with a bunch of my email subscribers. Um, but the in terms of consulting or, or editing that, that I stay in the nonfiction realm. I'm not going to stick my neck into fiction because it is right. a fairly different beast. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant, but you work with writers. And the reason I ask about that is you write for writers uh, and I'm going to include a link to your blog. And at one point, and this is what I found interesting. You actually interviewed me because you were doing a series for authors yep. about how to uh, make the most of using podcast interviews to promote their books. And right. there was a book called Traction by Gabriel Weinberg, and the name of his co-author escapes me at the moment, and I apologize for that. But it was all about the, I guess, about 19 things that startup businesses should be trying from a marketing standpoint and testing. And then ultimately, <clears throat> maybe three or four they, they end up sticking with. And they talked about how in the startup world, so many companies do the exact same thing the other companies are doing. And when actually they, they should actually be testing these 19 different areas and see what works. So they then, when they launched their book, they did all, again, they did all, they tried all 19 and what they, and then they measured it being good marketers and they iterated and they realized that doing podcast interviews seemed to be really selling a lot of books. So they then went back and said, how many more podcasts can we get on to let more people know about our book? And their book really is uh, fantastic. And so the, I think it was a series of three where you, you interviewed me and you said, well, all right, you're a podcaster, you interview authors, what makes for a good guest? And I told you some of the things, and I guess you were expecting some sort of uh, theory of relativity for me, and I told you basically how easy it is to be a good guest, and I specifically remember you saying at the end, Douglas, I can't believe how low the bar is to, to be a good guest. It's like show up for the interview was one of your answers. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. Or... um. 
I don't I don't know, but it, it it's yeah. and most all the guests that I've been able to interview, it's just been a lot of fun and they're they're absolutely uh fantastic. But yeah. Um it's it's just kind of uh it's kind of funny. And I guess maybe you were disappointed that you weren't gonna have to work quite as hard on that yeah. series. <laughs> Well, it was it was reassuring. But let me let me turn this around and I'm going to put the spotlight on you for a second, because one of the things I'm doing during this um, this shelter at home time is uh, sort of. In- it, OK, natch, naturally. But, but uh, before cocktail hour, I am um, interviewing a bunch of people as I'm working on my next book, because I I thought when all this happened, I said, you know what? All of these people who I would like to speak to have just had their ca- their calendars cleared of <laughs> of speaking gigs, of travel. I'll bet I can book some really interesting people to talk to to interview for my next book. Um, so that was fun, uh, but but uh, who boy, you know that's a lot of work. I'm just going to say um, that you make it look easy, Douglas. Um, but I am finding that you know because i read i try to read the book if they've written a book ahead of time um i it's mitch joel had a wonderful uh blog post he wrote on how to be a good interviewer because he is oh, also yeah. masterful right mm-hmm. and he says you know you don't write down questions make it conversational i'm thinking well that's brilliant and i do that now but it it takes a lot of preparation to not have <laughs> prepared questions i'm just gonna say it seems it seems odd but you have to really be on your game to do that so i am just in admiration of you and the work that you do just with the ordinary marketing book podcast um to say nothing of adding on this additional cocktail hour <laughs> event well the drinking certainly makes it much easier um yeah that's true that's true and i yeah. uh but uh it's it well it's a lot of fun and I get the big a big kick out of it and uh you know it's interesting um I guess I'm like a lot of those companies we were just talking about where well first off the podcast I just love doing it and I it's not like it you know brings in all kinds of business it's not directly related to what my company does but I just love doing it I love learning and then it really makes it difficult when I hear from people around the world who will send me a message and say, Hey, I've been listening to your show for a year. I really find it helpful. Thanks. I'm like, Oh gosh, just when I was about to quit this thing, now you people are cheering me on. That's the worst possible thing you could do. It's the equivalent of my wife telling our friends, don't laugh at his jokes. It only encourages him. So, um, but for this series, you know, it's interesting. I think, uh, I had heard from a couple authors and they said, Hey, I don't know, let me come on the show. And you know, I, I don't want to talk about the book. I don't have a new book, but there's some, some research I have or something that might be helpful. And I thought, well, maybe. And then suddenly I was at home, no longer in the office. Nobody's in the office. I went by there today, dusty, bunch of mail yeah. <laughs> piling up inside the mail uh, drop. And, so I had a little more time and also, you know, suddenly my daughter, the college senior was home for spring break and then they said, don't come back and through all that. Yeah. And then my son, you know, was, uh, things were going crazy. And I, I think what prompted me to want to do this uh, daily series until I run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first mm-hmm. was wanting to do something, stay busy, but also in my own knuckleheaded way, you know, maybe there's some help. <laughs> <laughs> that I can, that I can, yeah. uh, you know, offer here. And what's interesting is I think the authors felt even more that way because I sent an email out, like I, I sent to you, and I sent an email out to over 
there's been over 200 authors on the show. And I just said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What, what do you think? And would you be at all interested? And within one hour, over 100 had responded and said, I'm in. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Let's do it. You know, and a lot of them said, I'm already drinking, but that's not important. And, uh, (laughs) but I just thought, oh, great. Let's all, let's all see what we can do here. And now I'm here. I I got a message from a listener today in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He says, yeah, I've been listening to your show for a long time and I really like this daily series. Would you please keep doing it? Uh. (laughs) I'm thinking, hey, gosh, man, now I'm really going to disappoint folks. But Uh. yeah, but it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I don't have to read each book for each daily interview and I'm only doing one a day. Um, So, and I have more, you know, I seem like I'm getting more done at home than I was at the office. Maybe it's you add in the commute and all that other sort of thing. So I'm enjoying it. I appreciate your, uh, your kind words. And, let me oh. just um, mention that also you are quite the choral singer, aren't you? Uh, yeah, although not right now. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, no, wait. Yeah, I see on, I'm looking here now. You yeah. were in the San Francisco yeah. Symphony Chorus. I was, I was. Yeah, yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Now I found a local uh, chorus here, the San Luis Obispo Master Chorale that I'm singing with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to, to connect with people and meet some wonderful folks and you know, choral singing is just wonderful. It is one of the things that is most definitely impacted by the uh, shelter at home and pandemic, alas. Um, so, but I'm trying to keep keep singing one way or another. You well, know. yeah, I mean, you can sing at home, I guess, just to keep your pipes, you know. I can. Working. There's actually a uh, my. I have a voice teacher who's still in San Francisco, and she does a twice uh, twice a week vocalize things so her students all get on a zoom everybody's muted except her and we all vocalize together and you can see the little pictures of your friends singing and things and so that's really delightful somehow this little bit of communities but that's an example of what you're doing just trying to put things out to connect people and and add more value what she's doing um you know what I'm, i'm trying to do i do weekly free webinars on writing or publishing for my email list i mean i think People are just feeling motivated to say, what can I do? You know, what, yes. what can I do that's going to help somebody? Um, and all of that goes circles back to my theme about uh, building relationships. You know, if you can be generous, if you can put things out, you will be strengthening those relationships going forward. I mean, I'm getting to know better the people who are on my email list because they show up in my webinars and they ask questions and I get a sense of what they're doing. And that's really, really cool. It becomes more interactive. Um, You know, you were having more conversations and listeners are reaching out. You know, it's all it's all uh, the best marketing is grounded in generosity. Absolutely. So. If folks go to anjancer.com, which I'm going to have a link to, and that's Ann with an E. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's really important for all you Don't forget the silent there. E. We, you yes. know, me and Ann Handley have this thing going on because I've got the E and she doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's the only edge I have over Ann Handley. <laughs> She's awesome. I love her. <laughs> it's all about the vowels. Um, that's right. Now, they're going to be able to find these things. I see you've got courses and events, virtual events. They'll be able to find uh, these things that you're doing once a week, yeah, the webinars? Yeah. Great. So if you look, if you look, there's a little uh, thing, a menu at the top called Inspiration. And if you look, click on that, you'll see the webinars I'm doing, the, some of these interviews I'm doing. I'm putting up some audio clips of them. And they're there in the little, little 
thing called inspiration, which I'm trying to just populate with stuff during this uh, during this time that we all need a little extra inspiration. Mm, terrific. And I even see there's webinars about book marketing and publishing. Mm-hmm. And occasionally I get contacted by folks saying, I need uh, help with my book marketing. And they transpose, I guess, the, the two words. I say, yeah. well, actually, my little <laughs> show is more about books about marketing. I don't really know that much about how to market a book. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I can send them to a few other places. So at any rate, well, Ann Janser, I really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you without you having to write another book. And speaking of another book, that's not something you, the the idea you can share with us yet, can, can Yeah, you? I can, because I'm, I'm doing these interviews. It's, it's still taking shape. It's uh, growing organically in a way, um, not like any of my other books, which have been much more focused. But this book is going to be about making an impact with your writing, about how to do the writing that really gets... Um, ideas out in the world for people who are building platforms or movements or, you know, true thought leadership as opposed to just sort of the marketing spin on thought leadership. Mm. Um, so that's what uh, that's what this book is about. And I'm having so much fun interviewing people and uh, digging into the research and working on it. So hopefully later this year. Is there a title for it yet? No, the title is one of the things that's just in flux. So okay. <laughs> Well, maybe you can hear from some Marketing Book Podcast listeners and... <laughs> Hey, I am open to suggestions. They're very send active. Them send them in. I will welcome them. That would be great. <laughs> well, I hope that uh, you and the family continue to stay uh, safe and healthy and sane. And I uh, appreciate you joining us on Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Thanks for having me, Douglas. It's always, always fun to chat with you. All right, everybody. Last call. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.